All right, do we? Oh, we are live now, okay. Welcome everyone to Inspiring Artists Artivism, um, a talk with uh, the founder of Her Many Voices, Alicia Fall. It is such a privilege to be here and talk to you and learn more about Her Many Voices and also specifically about you. The privilege is mine, Myrna. Thank you very much. Thank you for today. Absolutely. Um, I would like to start with asking you about this word, artivism. Um, tell us about the inception of the word, what it means to you. So to be an artivist, it's, um, it's when you use your artistic talents for justice issues, right? It's that intersection of art and activism. Um, the world, as we know, the world is moved by artists and art. The world is inspired by art. The world is actually healed by art. And it doesn't matter what the art is, whether it's visual, dance, you know, spoken word, whatever it is, it moves that core of us. And it can really make a huge difference in the world. I mean, you think about artists like um, Diego uh, Rivera from, from Mexico, you know, with his political murals. You think about Keith Herring, Herring here in the States, um, his war against AIDS, uh, HIV, um, Ai Weiwei, and censorship with China and, and the Communist Party. And you think about the power of what these people have done in the world. And when I look at myself, I recognize um, I spent most of my adult career in the music industry. And that's how I got started with Her Many Voices. But what I recognize is that towards the end of that career, that music career, I was doing a lot of benefit concerts. And you know, people were able to, I was given a platform to really put across whatever the issue was, whether we were trying to raise awareness or funds for a particular uh, benefit, whatever it was, you know, I had that platform. And my take is we all have that ability. There is that little artist spark within us. You know, it's a question on how do we tap into it? And I've never met anyone who didn't feel like they wanted to work on some kind of justice issue. They felt the injustice of the world, whether it's women's rights, gay rights, children's rights, earth rights, whatever it is, we are all sparked and we have that emotion and that passion. Um, so we get to tap into it. And her many voices really focuses on um, empowering people to move your passions to purpose for the betterment of women, for the betterment of children, as well as Mother Earth. That's beautiful. I think you're touching on the connection between the head and the heart as well. Absolutely. It's, it's so important. I think we all know intellectually that things need to be done in the world. There's injustice. But to pull in the heart of other people, and that's the inspiration piece, you're inspiring people by pulling at their heartstrings with the creativity piece, the music and other ways of being creative into becoming activists, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, Mother Earth does it on a regular basis. You know, she is just one masterpiece of art. Children get it. They are about as creative as they possibly can be. You know, we had that imagination from day one. You know, we came into this world with that kind of gift. And we spend the first few years of our lives really expressing it. And we talk, and our imaginations run wild, you know? 
That's great. Thank you. Um, before we move on, I would like to share with you a quote from Yensina Larson, who is the founder of World Pulse. As you know, that's how we met nearly 20 years ago. Please um, look at this beautiful quote for you, Alicia. Oh, my. I'm going to read it for those of you who are listening only and are not watching the screen. Alicia, in everything you do, you are a leader of honor. Thank you for holding sacred your vision all these years. Thank you for how you move through the world reverently. You inspire us all as you honor your calling, community, ancestors, music, and healing as you lead deep collective transformation. With every word and action, you are unrooting injustice. You are planting seeds in new soil for a world woven anew by the power of her many voices. I got to tell you, I am um, at the last second, and I've never done this before. I picked up a box of tissues <laughs> and I put it right next to me. Um, and I'm glad I did. Yensina, definitely. Uh, first of all, Yensina, thank you so, so very much, my dear friend, for this beautiful statement. Um, Myrna, I started to mention to you right before we, we went on, uh, I was, I'm scheduled to speak with Yensina this week and, um, and so looking forward to being able to catch up with her. She was the inspiration for her many voices, I have to tell you. Um, for those of you who are not aware of Yensina Larson, she being the founder um, and CEO of World Pulse, um, they do some phenomenal work in media uh, focused on women's issues globally. And I met Yensina many years ago. I was actually sitting in a parking lot, um, a Sprouts parking lot, and talking to a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, and asked her what she was doing over the weekend. And she lived in, um, in Seattle at the time. And she said, this weekend, I'm going to Portland, Oregon for a, uh, a benefit for women. And she told me a little bit about Yensina. And I said, well, do they want music? You know, she said, I don't know. Let me find out. And within about 20 minutes, I received this phone call from Yensina saying, yes, please come. And so I loaded up my minivan at the time that I had with my, my equipment and I went out to, to Portland and I got there just in time for it, what turned out to be her very first benefit. Um, and I was so inspired, so moved and absolutely fell in love with this woman, everything that she was sharing. And I said, you know, whatever I can do and then invited her um, sometime later, I said, we'll have to do a benefit in Colorado, you know? And that, as a matter of fact, is the night that I met you, Myrna. Um, so there's been this wonderful ripple effect all the way along the way. Um, and Yensina just, she planted that seed within me to, to really motivate, to make a difference. You know, because I sit back and at the time I was thinking, well, who am I? You know, I'm just a musician kind of thing. You know, I'm just one person. The power of one is incredible. What we get to do when we tap into that power, we can move mountains. Absolutely. Yeah. As World Pulse and Yensina inspired you, you are now inspiring so many people. Alicia, I want you to take that hand, please. <laughs> Thank you. And to complete the conversation around um, Yensina, she then formed the first, one of the very first private social networks for women to 
called PulseWire, where they could share privately um, before social networks were really even a thing. Um, what's really happening in their countries and and trains women all around the world as citizen journalists. And it's incredible the work she's doing and you as well. So I was just going to say, um, and we'll talk about it at some point during this conversation, we've got an event coming up on Earth Day and we do have some of the members from the World Pulse community who will be joining us and sharing their wisdom with us on this day. So That's great. So I do want to talk about her many voices, but first I'd like to hear more about who you are, who you are and what's what's your life story. Like this is, I think that our formative years and our, our lives really do determine our trajectory, right? And it's fascinating. We all have really important life stories and I'd love to hear more about maybe some of the things about you that people don't typically know. I think we, most of us know that you were a professional mu musician for many years and and um, things like that. And of course, you're an, you're an indigenous leader. You're a woman of integrity who has led. Share, if you would, some uh, some stories from your formative years that help us understand more about who you are, please. So I was born and raised in New York City. Um, my mom is Dutch and Eastern Band Cherokee. My father, Cuban, Taino, Spanish. Um, so I'm definitely that, that mutt from this country. Uh, definitely a mix of of Jane Poole. Um, and I grew up in, uh, well, in my younger years, uh, we lived in the projects. And for those of you who are not familiar with that term, the projects is a community where basically you have, you all have one thing in common, nobody has money, right? Um, and it was a wide range of people. Growing up in New York City, there was such benefit to being um, being surrounded by so many different people, so many different cultures, backgrounds, languages, that sort of thing. It was a gift to be able to be raised in that environment. And particularly being a child of the 60s, you know, that was a time where we had, not that much has changed, but there was so much social injustices, you know. Um, we were dealing with the Vietnam War. There was a lot being ignited in this country. And um, the civil injustices in particular, uh, the racial injustices, I should say, were very, um, they were definitely the foundation of who I am. You know, you cannot grow up in that environment and not be impacted. You cannot grow up where, you know, you walk down the street and you see a sign that says whites only, coloreds only. You go to, um, you know, you go to the water fountain and there's that distinction, those sort of things. Gratefully, growing up in New York, we were not dealing with that directly at that point, but we were certainly dealing with the racial injustices and the protests and those kind of things. We were definitely dealing with um, the war, the Vietnam, well, it wasn't considered a war, it's supposed to be a policing, but during that time. Um, but we had cousins who are down in, south, down in the South and I remember early on as this young child going down, down there and seeing these signs that separated that segregation of people and going, why and where do we fit in, right? And I also- um, That's an important point. That's an important point. Yeah, yeah. For, for non-whites and non-African-Americans, what, what does it mean to you to not be yeah. even included in that conversation? Right. 
And oftentimes during that time in the 60s, you didn't have, I mean, people from Latin roots or Hispanic roots, there were not as many of us there either too, you know, that part of me. And so that, um, that identification, it was very confusing because as a child, I was bullied regularly. I was painfully shy. I hid behind my mother's skirt all the time. And, um, and we moved at one point and we moved into a community where I definitely stood out. There was no one like me in the community, in my school. And so I was constantly harassed every single day. I dealt with that kind of bullying and it was painful and it was um, heart awakening and tormenting at times, but it also made every bit of who I am today and the reason why I do the things that I do. You know, you cannot experience that. That cannot be your experience in life. And you do not have that seed planted in you to act in some way, whether you choose to do a positive or negative, you are going to respond to it. I think it really, um, from my experience, and um, I, I think it creates empathy in you at a deeper level than other people can maybe understand. Um, if you have been a victim of, of that kind of experiences, bullying, racism, I mean, uh, of course, there's different impacts as well. In your case, I'm seeing an, a deep empathy for others and for injustice, right? Um, and I think, and as you said, that's part of who you are now. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you're that sensitive child, when you're the empath and, and have that experience, you take on a great deal. And that question of why but mo hits you, but most importantly, what can I do about that, you know? Um, so, I, I've spoken about this before. Gandhi has a quote, and regardless of your, your feelings around Gandhi, he has a quote of, he who does not see God in the next person you meet, he meets, need look no further, you know? And I recognize that. Um, look into someone's eyes, sit down and have a conversation with them. Find a way to have some common ground because we all have that. There is a thread of connection between each and every one of us. And the issues that we have today are because we've decided we are other. We have separated. We have segregated. We've, we drank the Kool-Aid long ago. And we believe that we are different from each other. And we are not. That's and if we sat down and had that conversation, we would recognize just how much we had in common. So I'm, I'm smiling right now because I'm seeing an old dear friend, Bud Wilson, I have not seen or spoken to in a couple of years, uh, writing right now. Thank you, Bud. It's, it's good to see you here. Thank you. Yes, um, I think you really touched on, you've drilled down to one of the fundamental problems that we have in humanity is this idea that we're all separate and different, and that different is a negative thing. Right. When really there's this oneness and we are really the same and we have the same needs as individuals, people on the planet. Um, as you know, about 20 years ago, I traveled around the world for a year and a half by myself and it was such a formative experience. And that was my main lesson in life was that 
meeting these people who are so different from me. And I thought, because I grew up in a very conservative, um, you know, farm town in Kansas. And um, I learned we all underneath are the same. We need to, we, we love our children. We need to put food on the table for our children. We want them to be safe. We need shelter, right? And so that is such an important thing for people to realize. Um, so I love that, that you kind of drilled down to that. Um, also, <clears throat> this topic about racism is so timely now as well. Um, as it, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with the current right this minute, um, you know, uh, things that are happening the racism against Asian Americans. And, you know, I think that we sometimes tend to think that these things are being addressed and that they're getting better. And I, and I, and I think they are, but I'd love for your comments on what's happening now in society here in America around that topic. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know that I can say they're getting better. I think um, they're being unearthed in different ways. And it's a byproduct of when you are the dominant and you feel like you are losing that dominant uh, level in your life, um, there seems to be more of an aggression around it out of fear, out of desperation to hold on to that dominant. And um, whether it's humans or whether it's, in nature itself, you know, other animals. Um, we have a tendency of being a bit more aggressive when we feel threatened. And that seems to be happening in a very, very large way now. Um, those things, you know, we could sit here in that polyamor, uh, amor, uh, poly, what is the word, poly? Pollyanna. Pollyanna, thank you. Pollyanna uh, kind of headset of, oh, this is the United States, you know, America is this big old melting pot. We are not a United States. We are not. We were not founded as a United States. We were founded on genocide and abuse and terrorism. And it was just coded over. You know, indigenous peoples have a saying of they thought they buried us, but we were seeds. And I feel like that is... That's the story of many peoples here, many peoples. You know, you go way back and how was this country formed? Well, we had Irish immigrants, very impoverished Irish immigrants who came here. We had Chinese immigrants who came here. They built this country. We had Africans who were brought here, you know, people who, who built this country, indigenous peoples. We are that mix of, of seeds that have grown and we are supposed to be a full biodiverse um, being. Humanity is, is supposed to be that way. But like in nature, every time we plow through a field of trees and tear down the forests and the plants and we eradicate plants and animals and insects. Every time we do that, we have completely destroyed our balance. And we come to this place today because of that, because of that. And I think at this point we recognize, oh, okay, as a society, 
we are dealing with these issues and it has created this division. And, you know, we're not looking at so much of the biodiversity of humanity, but the, um, I am more powerful and I am more dominant than you are. And so there's that struggle between us of where justice lies, where equity lies, and where this imbalance comes from. Not just justice and equity for humanity, but you're pulling in yes. Mother Earth and the right. planet and our home, right? This is the only home we'll ever have. Right. Oh, well. Yeah, they say there's no there's no planet B, but but we're they're working on it. We'll see about that. And that's a whole other issue. You know, we're putting all of this money and this focus into traveling, going to Mars, and I am all for space exploration and finding maybe where we came from, right? But focus on what we can do to heal Mother Earth and each other. We are like toddlers with a machine gun going out there. We have our finger on that destructive button. We do not have the emotional intelligence yet to explore beyond here. We have to address here, you know? I, I agree. And the reality is that most of humanity will not be able to get on a spaceship and go to Mars. Let's look at true numbers here, right? Most of us don't have the wealth, the ability. And so, yes, it's, 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 a, it's a delicate balance there. Would this be a good time to hear more about how you started Her Many Voices, why you started Her Many Voices, and how that came about? Yeah, I uh, we touched a little bit, and, and thank you to Yancina. Um, you know, I was given this motivation of here I am as an art of, artist and recognizing that I'm making that shift from artist to activist. You know, that artist within me is really starting to emerge. Um, and this was, uh, I would say, maybe 15 years ago or so, 16 years. I, I don't know. But I really started to feel that something had sprouted within me. And um, and so I thought, well, why not marry the artistic side with the humanitarian side? And Her Many Voices was birthed out of that. And I have to say, when um, that that title, Her Many Voices, naming the organization that the her makes reference to Mother Earth, the many voices are all of her children, right? So I, I want to clarify that because many people just make assumptions that this is a women's organization. It is not. And what was going on in your life that caused you to create so many voices? Is there a specific thing? Um, there was a lot of reflection. Uh, there was a lot of loss. There was a lot of paying attention to the social injustices that were happening. Um, and, uh, and spending time with people like Ancina, people like um, folks who were doing that work on injustices and genocides of the world, that sort of thing. And I ended up um, becoming a board member for the Coalition Against Global Genocide um, because of these issues as well. And so those things kept coming to the surface for me. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, when I asked myself that question of, well, Alicia, who are you, you know, being this one person? 
I recognize the power within myself. You know, I am definitely my mother's child. I really am. Um, my mother is, is without a doubt, one of the strongest women that I know on this planet. And I've had the blessing of being raised by her and then the influence of my elder sister, who is a powerhouse and an artist herself. She was in the, she spent her entire adult career, uh, young and adult career as a dancer. And um, so I was given that you can make a difference message when I was younger. And my mother made it very clear you know, when she talked to me about humanity um, and the issues of life and racism and who we are and injustices and what does it mean to be indigenous and what does it mean to have all of these other parts of you, cultural parts of you. And um, we use the tag based on what my mother said of whatever I do for another, I do for myself. You know, and she made it clear that whatever also, whatever you do to another, Alicia, you do to yourself. Oh, that's from your mother. I know you've used that. Um, well, I have a surprise for you, and it's a quote from your mother. Oh, my God. I'm going to read it. My dear daughter, this is a perfect opportunity to say how proud I am. I'm going to cry, too. <laughs> how proud I am of you. You have touched so many lives and given hope to those who could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. May you always be surrounded by love and protected from all harm. I love you. Thanks, Mom. <sighs> Beautiful, isn't it? And we have another one now from your sister. Wow. <laughs> uh, I actually, I called my mother right before getting on to this. Um, and I had to leave a message on her voicemail because she's probably, you know, out there running a marathon or something at 95, she does this kind of set of things. <laughs> uh. She's probably listening right now. And here's the quote from Bonita, your sister, seeing you grow into the incredible woman you've become has been my joy. Your journey isn't nearly over and I look forward to watching where your road continues to take you. I love you more than you can imagine. And all I can say is that I love you more. <laughs> wow. All right. You know, not fair when you want me to do a full interview. Okay? That's all I'm saying, guys. <laughs> yes. And now is a, a, a good moment here, actually, to mention um, that we are going to take questions here um, at in about a half an hour for anyone who's listening and wants to ask Alicia direct questions. So we will be doing that. Um, so the mention, the quote that you mentioned, uh, whatever I do for another, I do for myself. Yeah. I did not realize is really from your mother. And here's, um, thank you, Aisla. <laughs> yes, behind the curtain, before, so you guys know, Aisla Lewis has put this together. She's producing it and she's the one hitting the buttons here. So thank you, Aisla, for the work you're doing. So share with us a little bit about this quote. Um, whatever I do for myself, I do for another. What does that mean to you? And now I know it comes from your mother. You know, it's no different than Gandhi's quote of, he who does not see God in the next person he meet need look no further, you know. 
Um, I am you, you are me. We are, we're, we're not different. There is nothing about life that is separate. You know, we are as equally connected to each other as we are to the trees, to the river, to the plants, the seeds, the birds, all of it. If you do not think there is life in that rock you just stepped on, think again. And it comes back to connectedness, right? Connection. We're all connected and oneness. Yes. All life. We are all connected as living beings on the planet. And the earth is also a living being. Um, the other thing I think of when I think of this quote and the next one that's about to come up here is that um, there's an element of self-respect and self-love. We have to realize that as we're doing to others, we also are doing that to ourselves. And so as we respect ourselves and love ourselves, we will treat others better as well. Is that that's, right? That's yes, that's right on Myrna. Yes. That's the, that you've definitely hit the nail on the head. You know, a lot of why we are in the situation that we are in today is because we have this woundedness within ourselves, you know, and we do not know how to connect and we feel other, you know, I certainly, I have felt other my entire life. I have never really experienced where I felt like I was a part of. And this work is about feeling that connection. You know, it is a very, I truly believe that what I do is it's extremely selfish because I want to feel better at the end of the day. I want to feel connected at the end of the day. I want to know that I'm not alone in this life and in my journey. I want to know that you have my back because I certainly have yours. You know, that that last photo that we were looking at, those are women in Shushushu, Haiti. And we've been working in Haiti for over 10 years. Um, yep, back, back, one more. There we go. This group, they refer to themselves as Jum Jum. And that loosely translated in, in Haitian Creole is, um, is that empowered woman, you know. Um, and there are women here that had really given me that strength that I pull from. We might be assisting them in some ways, but they are equally helping me and our organization and the world at large because of who they are and how they are and how they walk this world. Um, you know, and the joy of in this photo in standing in front of me in this photo is my eldest daughter, Melissa, who's another powerhouse. And she works with us as well within our organization. She's our arts educational director. There's a woman in here on the bottom uh, left, uh, right behind that little girl, Tamar Kantav, who is, um, she's a board member, but she's also my partner in the Haiti Projects. And, um, and I get to draw strength from Tamara. And the face that you cannot see in the very back is Jane Wynn from Wynn Farm Ecological Reserve in Haiti. And, uh, you know, all of these women that you see in this photo give me that strength. They remind me of that connection that we have within each and every one of us, you know? You are speaking about belonging and community and connection and the need for those things. And it's um, so it's one of the things you're bringing that's so needed in 
not just our society, but all societies. Um, I'd love to take a look at this next photo that shows two houses and share with us. That's a nice opportunity to share more about your work specifically in Haiti. Right. So um, we started doing this work or, or her many voices started doing this work in Haiti after the 2010 earthquake, January, 2010. And, um, you know, going down to a place that had been so decimated um, I had no words for the longest time of how do I express to people what I've experienced. You know, here we were in areas where we were standing on the mounds of the bodies of loved ones that had been lost after the quake. And um, <clears throat> for many, those who had survived quite often would go back into more of the, the rural areas. And one of the areas that we started working in was Tushushu. And um, this woman here that you see in the photo, I was just struck by first the beauty and the love that she shared uh, with myself and the group that we were with. And she talked a little bit about the story of, of her family and she raised her children. There were 11 in this shack. And you can obviously see, I mean, all it takes is the wind or the rains or some kind of influence that will make living in the structure challenging, you know? And I thought, why? Here's that question again. Why does this happen in this world where we have so much resource, so much available? Why do people have to live in such poverty? And I started thinking about, you know, how do we address these sort of things and how do we, how do we create an environment where people can actually have homes that are safe for them? And um, over a period of time, I started looking into, I was introduced to hemp and um, the power of this plant and it's being reintroduced um, back into society. And hemp was a powerful, powerful plant for many, many years in this country. It was made illegal in the 30s, in 1937, by, um, by the, a gentleman by the name of Harry Engslinger. He led this, um, he led lies based on, uh, well, he was trying to control people and it was about government power and control over, uh, over people here. And we used to use this plant it was required by farmers to grow. You could pay your taxes with it. That $10 bill you held in your hand was made by hemp. Hemp could feed you, it clothed you, it housed you. It was used for medicine and currency in this country until the 30s. And then it was removed. And now it's making this re resurgence back into the fold. But even as we do that, we are um, putting guidelines of what is considered hemp as opposed to the purity of the plant that Mother Nature had given us. Those things are coming back into the fold now and we're deciding, oh, it has to have this amount of THC or less. If it's not 0.3%, it's going to be considered not hemp. And it's, you know, there are all sorts of things politically that are tied into this plant. We have no right to do that. No right. 
And it is those kinds of injustices that create the environment that this woman stands in, in front of this shack of a home that she lives in. And I thought to myself, there are ways that we can address it. So working with hemp now, um, the house that you see on the left-hand side, this is really where I got my passion because I got my hands in the soil. I got my hands in the hempcrete and helped to build this little, this little workshop of a house here that was built here in Denver, Colorado by um, a now dear friend of mine, Eric McKee, who is the, he's the founder of the, the US Hemp Building Association. And Eric has journeyed with me to Haiti to educate people on this plant, the benefits of, of hemp, you know? Um, yeah, so, any rate, I get very impassioned by it. It's very, it triggers so much emotion in me because I think about all of the injustices that we have created, our governments have created, you know, all the lies that we have been told and believed and adopted into our lives and the things that have been taken away, you know, Many people lived, their livelihoods were based on being able to plant this plant and utilize it. Ah, and so right now, Emmanuel Saint Laurent is a young man I met in Haiti many years ago, and he is now our coordinator for our Haiti projects, and he is writing from France right now. Thank you, Emmanuel. Merci, Michelle, merci. Um, Beautiful to have the live comments. Beautiful. Yes, yes. And to have them from all over the planet. Yeah. Yeah. So let's um, continue talking about hemp for a little bit. I'm so glad you brought that up. I know it's very important to your work now and to the future of Her Many Voices. Um, where do you see the hemp industry going? Um, fortunately, it's moving. Um, globally, I mean, worldwide, we have more acceptance and more uh, legalization of hemp, cannabis in general. So for those of you who are not aware, the hemp plant is actually uh, a part of the cannabis plant. For most of us, we're aware of marijuana that is a, uh, a species of the hemp plant, of, of cannabis plant. Um, but the cannabis uh, of the, the hemp plant is considered hemp if it has less than 0.3% THC. THC is the psychotrophic that we experience when we're, when we're smoking marijuana, right? This does not have that. You can smoke uh, 40 hectares of it. You're not getting high off of this, right? Um, and it has so many other benefits. Like I said before, it is a plant that we get to build houses with. We get to have clothing made out of hemp. We feed ourselves. Um, the cabinoids that are in this plant, you know what? Breast milk has that. It is a part of who we are, which is a reminder of just how connected we are to nature. So how do you think you rule over nature? How do you make something illegal that mother has given us, you know? It is a part of our biodiversity. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that background as well. Yeah. 
Could you share a little bit more about other Her Many Voices programs or sort of just give an overview of the programs? Yeah. Um, here in, the, in our own backyard, we have uh, uh, an indigenous permaculture program. And um, Shannon Francis is an indigenous permaculturalist. She is Hopi Dene. Um, she's based here in Denver, Colorado. And um, she's been doing videos for us for, for a while. Uh, last year, we did a Mother's Day giveaway of seeds and uh, seeds and soils. And these are organic seeds and organic soils because it's very important that we stick to organic and not pollute what we are going to ingest, what we are going to put on us, you know, our environment. Um, so Shannon educates us on those kind of things. Um, and we'll be doing, again, the same thing this, this Mother's Day. Um, by the way, Shannon, just so you know, we're doing it again. Um, and we've had arts educational programs. Um, we have had a refugee ambassador program where we, we, um, we partnered with the Neurosculpting Institute to train women to go back into their communities, a wide range of communities, to address trauma, PTSD, those kind of things uh, that they've experienced in their past and in their communities and cultures and their countries. Um, yes, and if you, if you want to find out more, please go to our website at hermanyvoices.org. Uh, we also have financial education Tamara Kantav, my, my partner in the Haiti projects that I spoke to you about, who also sits on our board, she does financial education. Um, as a matter of fact, she has recently, um, we, have, uh, we have a new member working with us now. Her name is Sela Marley, and she is Bob Marley's granddaughter and Ms. Lauren Hill's daughter. And Sela has started working with, with Tammy on, um, on financial education trainings. Uh, they've done a couple already this month. Um, so we can, you can find out a little bit more about that as well. And as a matter of fact, Sela will be uh, presenting on Earth Day. Uh, we do have a little trailer of her, a little teaser where she spoke for a few minutes um, up as well on our site and on Facebook and other social medias. You can, you can hear about what she's gonna be bringing to the table too. Um, and what else? I don't know. I'm sure I'm missing something. <laughs> well, that leads us into you giving a little few teasers about what's coming up for Earth Day. I know that you have a really amazing lineup planned for Earth Day, which is Thursday, April 22nd. Can you share more about that? Yes. So I'm very excited. Here again, Aisla Lewis, who is our organizational strategist and the brains behind this and the woman behind the curtain today. Aisla came to me and she said, we're going to do a two-day, you know, Earth Day event this year. And I'm like, no, we're not ready for a two-day event. So we compromised. We are doing an all-day international event. And it is virtual. Um, it is a mix of people have submitted videos. Some people are going to be introducing their videos so they'll be live. And then other people are doing live presentations. It is truly international. We have, um, we have members from many African nations. We've got Nigeria, we've got Tanzania, we've got Kenya, Zimbabwe, Zambia. We've got uh, um, 
representation from Latvia, from Czech Republic, Australia, Canada, Mexico, Panama, um, Hawaii, and, and many peoples here in the state, indigenous peoples, indigenous peoples, as well as those, let me clarify, when, when we announced this as a celebration of indigenous wisdom for modern challenges, people already uh, Im immediately make an assumption when I'm talking about this, that it is, um, it is the voice of indigenous peoples in this country, of Native American peoples. That was the assumption for some. Indigenous peoples are everywhere. We all come from that ancestral background, all of us. Whether you are from Ireland, whether you're from Iceland, whether you're in Japan, it's irrelevant. We all come from that. And it is truly my belief that when we enter this world, we enter with the whisper of our ancestors who give us that knowledge. You speak to a child, they know. And unfortunately, because of society, it was, it's almost removed from us as we grow. By the time we are five or six and we are in, you know, elementary school, those kind of things, they seem to be taken from us. But we have that innate knowledge. So when we talk about indigenous wisdom, we are calling forth those from all over the planet who have that experience, who have that knowledge, who have maybe forgotten who they were and what their, their peoples had done in the past, and they have regained that knowledge because they have educated themselves along the way. For some of us, we have had the fortune of growing up in that environment, and our ancestors, our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents great have passed this knowledge on, and it is a part of who we are today. You know, it is in our language. For those of us who have lost our languages along the way, who have had those things removed from us in genocides, this is a moment to regain that wisdom of who we are and set it in motion and action and thought in connection to each other and mother. It is in that moment that we are asking you to to share. So on this day, we are going to have everything from financial education for those of us who are not a part of the 1% to traditional weavings. We have Ulutosen from Nigeria who's going to be sharing traditional weavings. She's going to talk about these are the foods that we are supposed to eat while we do this particular weave. These are, this is the time that we're supposed to do it. These are the songs that we share. These are the words that we share. She'll, she'll talk about those things. We have Dr. Karamburungira from Kenya, who's going to be sharing about the work that she's doing with women and orphans who uh, have been dealing with HIV and AIDS. I should say women who are dealing with HIV and AIDS and orphans who are maybe dealing with that or have been orphaned because of HIV AIDS. Um, we've got uh, 
We've got Andres and, and Deborah and their children, Gabriela and, and Freddie from Latvia that will be sharing how do we make hemp paper from their hemp farm in Latvia, you know? Um, we've got uh, we've got folks from all over sharing. We have First Foods, which is a uh, indigenous-run organization here in the states. Um, Desiree Kane and Brooke Rodriguez. First Foods is actually a, a fiscal sponsee of us now. For a moment, they're getting ready to make their independence, right? But they have tapped into the communities, the, the indigenous communities on, on foods. What we used to do, the stories that we were that we were that were shared with foods. Why do we plant these kind of seeds? You know, what we what do we do with with what nature has given us? How do we nourish ourselves? How do we share our stories of who we were, who we are, and the legacy that we leave? You know, my daughter Melissa talks about um, our future ancestors. Those are our children and our grandchildren. Those are those next generations to come, you know? Um, so these are the kind of things that we're going to be sharing in this day. And it is going to be on Earth Day. I know that there are a lot of Earth Day events that are going to be happening over the weekend because it just seems like it's the logical thing to do. More people are available. But because we are doing all sorts of time zones, we felt that it was important to honor the particular day. You know, um, I just, Myrna, I, I shared with you right before we came on, um, I'm, I'm happy to announce we even have um, Karenna Gore reached out to me and said she, was, she wanted to participate. Um, for those of you who don't know, aside from the fact that she is Al Gore, um, former Vice President Al Gore's uh, daughter, um, she is the founder and the director of um, the Center for Earth Ethics. Uh, they're based in New York. Um, we also have um, Conservation International will be joining us as well. Um, so we have a mixed bag of people who, are be, who will be coming to the table and sharing their wisdom. That's amazing. What time is it and do people need to register? Um, good question. So right now we have designated 12 hours. It starts at eight in the morning, Colorado time at the moment, right? Mountain time. Um, we designated 12 hours and yes, learn more at hermanyvoices.org slash forward slash earth hyphen day. Um, right now we've designated 12 hours, but to be quite honest, we've had so much, uh, response to it. It, it's going to be longer than 12 hours. I don't know how long it will be, but we're, we're saying 12 hours at the moment. Um, I believe at this point, we probably have about 14 hours, maybe more than that of, um, of content of presentation. That's great. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and I have a few more questions for you. So, and we have about um, eight more minutes before we do some Q and A. Okay. You touched on this, Alicia, but I wanted to circle back to um, the indigenous wisdom. Of course, um, is amazing, and it's it was so much closer to nature, right? It was so much more about honoring Mother Earth and life, and uh, less industrial, you know, modernization and all of that. 
Can you speak to that a little bit more, the connection? Why why are we honoring Indigenous wisdom on Earth Day? And I love the tie. And maybe just share, share a little bit more about that. Um, you know, for all of us, we came from peoples who were tied to the land. We relied on Mother and all of the, the environment that she created. We could not survive unless we were connected and we honored and respect respected her. We did not take more than we needed and we always gave back. And it doesn't matter where we came from. Over time, we seem to have lost that way in a larger scale. But indigenous peoples all over have held on to that connection. And now more than ever, we're starting to turn back to the wisdom of indigenous peoples from all over the planet. You know, it doesn't matter whether you are Lakota here or you're Sami from Finland, you have that knowledge, you have that, um, that survivance, you know, you know that you are connected, you're bound to what mother has given you. So why would you use or abuse it? You know, um, right now, Sami people are fighting with those who have polluted the air, the air in, in that area. Um, the reindeer are now polluted. The Sami people are the stewards of, the, of that land and the reindeer. If they are not a voice for those that we consider voiceless because we've chosen not to listen, you know, who will do it? And that, yeah, were you going to say something? As you know, I work with a nonprofit um, in Panama called Geoversity, and they have, my work with them has educated me at a deeper level on that tie as well because the Gunayala people um, are the native people of Panama, one of the many tribes, and they, um, their land, they needed help protecting their land so that it wouldn't be taken over. And that was um, part of the beginning of this nature preserve called the Mamani Valley Preserve. So I'm learning more and more about this all the time. And I really, really love this idea and, and the concept um, that Indigenous wisdom is directly tied to the planet, of course. You know, it's just so, it's it, it's inherently true, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And we're looking forward to having those folks at Geoversity speak, share what's going on for them on Earth Day as well. You know, I think what really rocked things here, at least for this country, is... Um, when we went, when we, when the media hit for the Dakota pipeline, you know, recognizing what was going on there and how this was going to affect all of us, you know, we might not realize it's kind of that butterfly effect. You don't realize how something across the other side of the pond is going to affect you, right? We've come to this place where we've separated ourselves so much, we don't know that we're affected by the next person standing next to us, let alone what happens when you pollute this drop of water over here. 
So at the at the site, people came from all over this planet. And overwhelmingly, the indigenous peoples from different parts of this world came to that site to say, we are here in unity because this affects every one of us. Every one of us. We're right. That's when that kind of one of the times when it became came into the public consciousness that the indigenous people are doing the work for us. They're doing the work to save that that land and that water and to protect it from that oil pipeline. Um, Michaela Ironshell Dominguez is one of the youth leaders of that um, of that movement, and she's involved with the work in Panama as well. I just thought I'd mention her as well. Um, so I have a question, and then we're about ready to go to questions from other people. Um, do you want to share any greatest, any lessons and challenges that you've had? Um, any Anything stand out about running her many voices for all these years, uh, 12 years now? Yeah. You know, sometimes I think about this and I think 12 years, um, it, it's a blink of the eye kind of thing. And I certainly don't want to recognize that I'm getting so much older these days, <laughs> you know. But um my greatest challenge, my personal greatest challenge with all of this and in life in general has, uh, has been um, for someone who speaks about the connectiveness that we all have, my greatest challenge has always been in asking others for help to not go about these things alone, you know. And um, I've also been that person where, all right, if you're not going to help me, at least get out of my way, <laughs> you know. Um, I have a mission. I'm focused. I know what I'm supposed to do. I've been called to do this. Um, I listen to the plants. I listen to the trees. I listen to the water. I am that person. So please um, either help or move out of the way. And so that has been, I think, my greatest challenge around all of this. And like I said, in life in general and saying, um, please help me or please join me, you know. Uh, this work does not happen by as as powerful as we are as individuals. Um, you know, the African there's an African proverb of if you want to go far, go together. If you want, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, and so, you know, we I ask for the support of others, and um, and you know, it's funny because I I guess part of the uh, the surprises along the way have been quite often that support comes in in the surprising ways in people that I would not have imagined that would support me um, and the organization and the work that we're doing um, and those that we've been introduced to. Um, and as I talk about this in this photo that's come up, um, so here I am standing with, uh, in uh, on, to the far side of me, is Ms. Lauren Hill and um, and Sela Marley, her daughter that I spoke about earlier, and um, and Ms. Hill has been a wonderful support for us over the years. And um, in this moment, we were actually backstage at Red Rocks because she had done a performance here in Colorado. And at that particular time, she um, she actually 
allowed us to air at that show a video that we had done on on what was happening in Haiti at the time, um, which continues to happen, the injustices that are happening there and the violence. Um, and so she's brought in that that support uh, along the way. That is beautiful. I would like to read this quote from your board chair, Vanessa Jameson, for you now. Alicia's passion, okay. okay. Alicia's passion for womankind and mankind is ex exemplary. Her years of dedication in helping others, building sustainable futures, and love for our Mother Earth drives this phenomenal woman. I am so honored and blessed to call her my friend and champion of the people. Alicia, by all definition, is Mother Earth. She has and continues to be the advocate for all. Blessings always, my dear friend, and fearless change agent. <sighs> okay, so I thought I was done with the tears. Um, thank you, Vanessa. Um, she's been a dear friend for, I don't know, 30, close to 30 some years now. And um, I am grateful for her love and support along the way. Uh, she is one of those people that I reached out to. And, um, and she shows up regularly for me on all sorts of levels. That's beautiful. And we have one more for you, Alicia. This is uh -huh. Heidi McGinnis. And uh, I know this, is, this picture is your TED Talk, which maybe you can talk about as well. Um, do you want to do that first? Yes. Um, I had the honor of being invited to do a TED Talk. Um, yeah, this was a few years ago. And uh, Tim Kubik um, actually got me into the TED Talk uh, circuit there. Um, and Lori Mabes, who is, uh, is the artist who's standing there, Lori, I spoke to, she had done some benefit work with us in the past. And, um, and I shared, I'm getting ready to do a TED talk and, um, I'm going to talk about the art of igniting action. Um, and I want you to participate with me on this. So she actually, she drew the talk, I, excuse me, she painted the talk and then, um, actually took the painting and cut it down and distributed it to everyone in the audience. So they had a piece to go home with. And um, what I wanted to talk about is, and, and here's part of that. I am an artist. This means, and I live in this perverse fantasy world of unrealistic expectations. And so thank you for understanding that. Right. Um, because I think as artists, oftentimes, you know, I mean, how many times have you heard, have I heard, um, and other artists can definitely uh, really relate to this. Why don't you get a real job? <laughs> you know, this is my job. This is my passion. And this is what moves me. And guess what? This world is about as dull as it possibly can be without art. You know, we. You had art being created during your talk, and then you shared it with everyone there. That's amazing. Yeah. And you get to go home with something that's tangible, you know? And so when I talked about the, in the art of igniting action, I talked about how we feel like maybe we're insignificant or that whole, well, who am I? I am just one person. 
I am only a student, I am only a housewife, I'm only a stay-at-home dad, I am only, you know, I am houseless, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. And we get to do so many things in this world. You know, if you take a moment to look into the eyes of the next person you meet, sit down and have a conversation with someone, ask them how their day is, is going and truly sit and listen. You have no idea the power behind that, the ripple, the ripple effect behind it. I've had people say things to me in the past, you know, we had like seconds of a communication and it has stayed with me. And it has, it has been the impetus of inspiration for things to come. Absolutely. Those little things really make a big difference. Let's um, <clears throat> hear from Heidi McGinnis now. She said, Elizabeth Fall, founder and vision holder of Harmony Voices Foundation, is a most remarkable leader. She is a brilliant thinker, strategist, profoundly loyal to Mother Earth, protecting all of Mother's treasures. Being a champion of women and children is indelible in her daily focus. Alicia's collaborative spirit is deep and far-reaching in bringing all of us into a creative cauldron that serves humanity to the fullest. This allows all and each of us to connect anew in the sacredness of life and rejoice together. Um, I am beyond blown away and very touched. Uh, these are things that are, these, these quotes, these words from, People that I love are, are very touching and extremely unexpected. Pastor Heidi, for me, has been um, just a brilliant source of light and a uh, mentor. Um, I refer to her as a badass in this world. She's a modern-day abolitionist. Um, and I met her through this engagement with the, uh, the Coalition Against Global Genocide. Uh, that Roz Duman, the founder of, put together. Um, so I met Pastor Heidi through these connections. And, um, you know, I, I was and am constantly reminded of the power of women like her, of individuals like her on the planet, who um, at some point we will have to do a focus. Myrna will have her on here for a lunch and learn because her story needs to be shared. Um, yeah, as a child from Germany uh, during the war and what she experienced and how it brought her to the States and how she has championed for others in this world and literally has freed slaves um, in the Sudan. Absolutely, I can't wait. My very last question for you before we take questions from the audience, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Um, it's an ask. It is an ask to everyone who is out there. Um, this organization functions because of the love and the support and the action of others, not just us. So if you find that you have some kind of talent you can offer as a support to us, please contact us. If you have financial resources, we are always in need as a nonprofit, um, there is always that struggle, right? And just a note, 
out of 100% of nonprofits that are here in this country, out of 100% of the fundings that come in, for people of color, only 0.5% of that 100% of funding goes to people of color. Only 0.2% go to indigenous. That is profound. That's unbelievable. So please support us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We need, that. We, we need that to do the work that we are doing. I hear you. And I think people hear you as well. And you've really inspired a lot of people. Let's take some questions from the audience now. Ah, uh, yes. And then you can do a paypal.com. Okay. All right, Myrna, are you going to? Can I read it? Yeah. I'm curious why hemp is a focus on sustainability and nonprofits, along with being used for food, medicine, building material. I've heard hemp can also be used to heal bad soil. Is that true? Yes. Great question, Andrea. Thank you very much for bringing this up. Um, the reason why it is such a focus for sustainability and really healing Mother Earth is that it is a wonderful plant to remediate soil. And it is a carbon sequestering plant. Um, you know what? Chernobyl, after Chernobyl, they planted hemp. You know, this is the kind of thing that Mother Earth has given us. This is the power of this plant. And, um, you know, we hear about, and I am all for this, plant trees, plant trees. We need more forests on this planet because we've deforested so many places, right? Um, because we need to carbon sequester, right? We need to remove that bad and bring in the good for our air quality. I'm all for planting those trees, but I gotta tell you, those trees, they might take 20 to 50 years before they mature. You plant hemp and between 100 to 120 days, it has come to full maturity and it's carbon sequestering five times greater. Wow, that's amazing. And um, it's, it's very, very fast and makes a bigger difference more quickly. I've, I'm hearing a lot about soil regeneration these days. I did an interview with Regen Network on my website, apogeospatial.com, which is, um, and, and I'm learning just more and more about that as well. The importance of regenerating the soil just so it can even grow healthy, mm -hmm. that's organic, that doesn't have chemicals in it and that kind of thing. Um, so that's great. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about like earlier when I mentioned the semi people are dealing with the the pollution that has been, you know, they sprayed these areas. Right. So it's not only affecting the animals in the area, it's affecting the soils. There are so many areas that indigenous peoples live on that have been polluted. Some of these areas, it was intentionally done in other areas. It's the it's just a byproduct of this is the new modern industrial world. And oh, there are only a few of you here. So since your numbers are not as great as the ones over here, or since you are not a part of that 1%, you know, you don't have the financial resources to fight this. We as the large conglomerate can come through and do what we, we choose to do. And, you know, we'll, we'll use you as guinea pigs, basically. You know, so these are the kind of things. I mean, this is the importance of, I, I talk to indigenous peoples here 
I want to see us growing hemp and processing. We need that in this country. The reason why the U.S. is not, um, uh, I can't say leading so much, is we're not really in the lead as much as other countries is because we don't have the processing here. You know, we have many farmers who want to grow. We have a lot of educated people who recognize the importance of growing this plant and what it can do and the benefits. Um, and I got to tell you, when you put in, um, you're trying to remediate soil, guess what? You get to use this plant is a wonderful biofuel. So it helps in all sorts of ways. Thank you. Yeah. What are some of the things that participants can expect to learn about on the Earth Day event? Okay. So again, we've got, um, it's going to be a combination of things. Uh, we've got everything from financial education, you know, for those of us in the communities who, um, like I said, we're not a part of the 1%. So we didn't get some of the information that many other people have gotten, you know, um, so really, uh, we are speaking a great deal to bike park communities, as well as, um, you know, those who have been impoverished along the way. I don't care who, wh where you come from, you know, you've been impoverished and, and you've been told that you, you can't get ahead. We're here to tell you, you can, and we can do these in small ways, but you know what? If collectively we are all participating in these small ways, we get to make a difference. Um, you really want to have an impact on these larger companies? Guess what? You get to have that impact because if we collectively decide we are not going to purchase something from you, or we are going to purchase, we get to dictate where our monies go to. It's not just about survival for us. It's not just about, oh, how am I going to pay rent or how am I going to put food on the table or how am I going to pay for my child's medical bill? You know, we are, we are here to educate people on how to best invest in the value of who you are as an individual and as well as your communities. You know, so we'll get that the education for the day. We're going to have people talk about um, the traditions of their languages and, and what does that mean, you know, or the loss of language and what does that mean. We're going to have people talk about, um, here is my experience in, um, in an environment, an ecosystem environment. Here's what I experienced personally. And here, and because of that personal experience, this is the work that I do. Um, we're going to have through the... Um, through the Conservation International um, group, we're going to share videos on, um, on the earth, on the water, on the ocean. We're going to hear the voice of, of uh, what Harrison Ford speak as the ocean. We're going to hear the voice of Julia Roberts speak of Mother Earth, being Mother Earth, you know. Um, we're going to hear the voice of children. Uh, we have a young woman who's going to be speaking. She's an activist. She has, she happens to have Down syndrome and she is an activist and she is a model. And, you know, she's going to share a piece of what it means. Um, the power of one, 
we're going to have children speak about what does it mean um, to really tend to Mother Earth and the effect of it. We're going to have school children talk. Um, we're going to have music. We're going to have dance. Um, we're going to have, there's an endless group and from all over the planet who are going to be sharing. Um, we're going to have traditional, uh, Native American traditional um, cultural stories that will be um, shared as well. So it's a way for a lot of grassroots um, activists and people to um, actually hear their voice heard, right? Is there still time to, for people to submit and apply to be to participate? Um, if you're going to do that, please do it today, maybe tomorrow. Um, we actually had a date. The cutoff date was April uh, 10th. Um, but like I said, we're getting a lot of responses. And, and I also think it's kind of human nature too. Um, we kind of procrastinate. I, I know nothing about that. You know. um, but this is what we do, right? We wait to the last minute. And, um, and so what we don't want to be doing on our end is to scramble, you know, moments beforehand uh, to put this production together because, you know, to do something that is a minimum of 12 hours, there's a lot that needs to happen um, in order for it to happen. So please do not wait to the last minute to submit your, uh, your application, your, you know, what you would like to submit, because then we have to get your video submission in. Um, and at this point, uh, we are looking for more video submission as opposed to trying to do something live. We are doing that a mix, but we can't do that with everyone. Um, because we do have limited support. We've got we've got limited tech for the day, right? And people have to take breaks along the way. Um, so and, and it's just a fantastic opportunity for someone who's really passionate to to get out there and get on stage, so to speak, right? With people like um, all the people you've spoken to uh, about and Karina Gore and the Conservation International and all of these people. It's just gonna be amazing. I can't wait. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a reminder too. like I talked about in the TED talk, you know, um, this is going to be a mixed bag of people. So we have people who spend their days in the limelight, as well as those who've never, never spoken in front of a group before. That's going to be part of the beauty of it, right? Yeah. Everyone should have a voice. Basically, I'm planning to just leave it on all day, whatever I'm doing, right? Just have it on the whole time. It's going to be really nice. Um, so we have a short video to share with everyone. Do you want to set that up? Um, yeah. So this is a video. This was our response to, um, this was our first video application for a grant. And this was uh, for UBR, Universal Basic Resource. Um, and I'm happy to say it's a grant that we got. Um, their focus is, um, is climate change. And I, I should say their focus is supporting BIPOC communities who are doing the good work. And this particular project was to focus on climate change. And, um, and so uh, we created this little, I believe it's maybe a three minute video that a uh, our topic is hemp and humanity, right? So how does hemp have an impact on climate? 
and um, and what we get to do with it. Could you also share what BIPOC is, just to clarify? Oh, yes, BIPOC. Um, so Black, Indigenous, People of Color, BIPOC community. Thank yeah. you. So, yeah. This is Earth, home sweet home. We at Her Many Voices Foundation live here. The rest of you are somewhere around here too. Since we share the same mother, guess that makes us siblings. Hmm, let's put a pin in that thought. Isn't she beautiful? You know she's 4.5 billion years old, 22,500 times older than humans, but you should have seen her back in the day. The power of her climate change could not be rivaled. Drama had nothing on Mother Earth. And then humans showed up. For thousands of years, it was all good. We went with the flow, walked in balance. We were one with nature. Until we decided we knew better than her. Now let's just say humans' evolutionary changes have been putting a strain on dear Mother. You know the future depends on her, right? When she thrives, we thrive. When she doesn't, well, you get the picture. But at Her Many Voices, they believe that whatever I do for another, I do for myself. Mother Earth knows this well, and being the mom that she is, she's given us exactly what we need to take care of ourselves while taking care of her. One of the things she's left us is this little powerhouse plant right here. That would be me. My name is Hemp. Yeah, I know, I don't look like much, but given the opportunity, I'll show you exactly how much I can do. The folks at Her Many Voices get me and have been reintroducing me into communities. What can I say? I'm a very environmentally friendly plant. They're providing trainings on how you can best partner with me to make a better world. You wouldn't believe what they've been able to use me for. Together, we're feeding people, housing people, and helping animals, all while taking care of our home. I grow in just about every climate, and I'm ready to go in about three months. I remove toxins from the ground, replenish the soil with nitrogen and nutrients, help control soil erosion, absorb carbon from the air, and put it back into the earth. I've even helped bring back bees in certain areas. And unlike cotton, I don't need fertilizers, pesticides, or herbicides. Did you know they cause air and water pollution? So join us at Her Many Voices and help us address climate change by planting educational seeds as well as more hemp seeds in the ground. Mother Earth literally means the world to us. Time to let her know. Wow, that was really, really beautiful. Um, there are a lot of people to thank for that video. Yeah, there are a lot of people who contributed to it. And many of, of those folks you'll be able to to see and hear on Earth Day. Yeah. Really want to thank you so much. Um, I think if there's no more questions, um, I think we'll wrap up. This has been just amazing. Alicia, I've learned so much and I'm so honored to be in your life at any level and I have supported your work for years and now let's let's take this all to the next level right 
So for those of you who are listening and maybe those of you who are newer to Her Many Voices, find out how you can help. As you have seen for the past hour and a half, they are doing such important work all over the world. And um, and we can't wait for Earth Day so that we can continue to move forward with you. Thank you. Thank you so very much, Myrna. Yeah, greatly appreciated. Um, I have loved who you are, how you are, how you walk in this world for quite some time. And it is an honor. It's a privilege to be able to spend this part of the journey with you. Um, so thank you for walking it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Bye.